well, um, this is the fourth chapter. Um, I've had a really long day, and I'm just excited to, like, read. Just calm down a little bit. This is a pretty long one. Um, things start to pick up from here. Um, more dialogue. Just buckle in, kiddos. <laughs> That's all I can say. Anyways, enjoy. And down the hallway to your left are the dance and gymnastics studios. We have four in total and are mostly used by our ballet dancers and aerialists for strength training. So of course, you and Harry will be taking advantage of them in the beginning for stretching, warm-ups, tumbling, choreography, that sort of thing. You'll be in there for the bulk of time before working up to the giants, the trapeze exercises. You've been enamored with the circus for as long as you can remember. Your parents would often take you and your siblings to visit whenever the trains would come down to town and unload their canvas tents. The smell of cotton candy and roasted peanuts filling the air with burnt sugar and adventure. It came as no surprise to you to receive the phone call validating your position as the other half of the flying marvels, following Rusty's reaction to your audition. After Harry slithered out of the room in a storm cloud of anger and you paced your way across the floor for a verifying handshake, Rusty's eyes dropping in a wink when he muttered the clinching words, You'll be hearing from us very soon. I can guarantee it. You rush to stuff your warm-ups in your bag before jogging out of the emergency exit in Harry's path with the hope of finding him. But a thorough glance left and right informed you that he'd run off in order to avoid any sort of confrontation with you or Rusty. Your intention was to try to smooth things over between the two of you, not wanting any bad blood whether or not you should find yourself as work partners. You were dying to know what he was truly like under the thick veneer of his strict professionalism and pungent conceit. But it was also becoming increasingly clear that he wasn't going to make it the least bit palatable. There has to be more to him. For someone who has the determination to work his way from the ground up to be the most well-known aerialist in the world and who seemingly has an array of endless talents, there just absolutely has to be a hundred layers to peel back and discover. You groaned and tossed your bag into the grass and flopped beside it to pull your skates on, knowing that he must be somewhere close by but was going out of his way to avoid speaking to you for a bevy of reasons that are still unknown to you. He had probably gotten the sense that the role was undoubtedly yours by Rusty's staggering applause. Or better yet, he also agreed that you were a shoe-in for the position and needed some time to process his very near future and what that means for him. You two would be partners whether he liked it or not. You were good enough for him. You were deserving of performing beside him as an equal in front of thousands of onlookers, and that is most definitely a bruise to the soft peach that compromises his ego. Down the hall straight away is the circus ring and theater space where you will be doing your trapeze practice and rehearsals, as well as performing. Nettie bowed you over onto your red vinyl, sectional couch with hugs and kisses when you received a validating phone call from Rusty the very next day, demanding that you call your parents and rub their lack of confidence in their faces. The two of you skated to the closest malt shop on the boardwalk and drowned yourself in milkshakes until your stomach ached, and you grumbled about having over-celebrated until you'd made yourself sick. You went to bed at 10 o'clock sharp each night until the weekend passed and the first day of practice began the following Monday, making sure to rest your body and your mind to prepare to blow Harry out of the water once again. You were able to get your much-needed rest saved for Friday and Saturday nights, when Nettie arrived home well after midnight, trying to contain the childish giggles that her boyfriend was drawing from her. 
You made a mental note to buy earplugs and a face mask to blow out her near-constant inability, inability to keep her voice down while you're sleeping, in order to rescue your friendship before it was ruined over differences in schedules and lifestyles. And finally, this is your dressing room. Rusty comes to a stop and gestures towards the door marked trapeze and finally spun golden cursive to delineate the ownership of the room. Every detail of this building has been painstakingly designed. Even the backstage area is creating an atmosphere of theatrics and drama as if you stumbled into the real-life pages of a Dr. Seuss book. This is where you will store your belongings under your custom changes and makeup. Are we ready to have a glimpse inside? Your nerves about seeing Harry and being alone with him for the entirety of the day have only skyrocketed since you've stepped foot in this building, and Rusty seems to be aware by the way he wraps an arm around your shoulders and squeezes jovially. A smile finally breaks free before your head falls forward to stare at your shoes, your teeth sinking into your lip when you finally draw your attention back to him and nod, yep, born ready. You are anxious to cozy up in your new secluded meditation space that is for you and only you, a retreat which allows you to catch your breath between rehearsals and performances. In your bag, you've come prepared with a framed photo of your family and a couple cherry-scented candles to decorate your vanity. Equipped to prepare yourself in solitude before it's time to face the wolf. Alright, here we are. Rusty pushes open the door and flicks on the light, illuminating a small room painted a vibrant green, reminiscent of a buttery Castel Vitrano olive, and designed in the style of a classic vaudeville burlesque theme. Black velvet curtains drape around a large floor-to-ceiling mirror above the vanity stand. A black curly metal chair with a floral cushion sit and tucked underneath the clean table. A cognacked, tufted leather couch lines the opposing wall, and beside that, an ornate standing screen to change your clothing behind. That door on the far side of the room is your private restroom. It has a standing shower and plenty of towels that we will, that we will be in charge of washing. You're absolutely itching to unpack your bags and change into your comfortable clothing for practice. Memories of your flying trapeze dreams last night flushing to the surface. You don't have much experience aside from basic swinging, but you're hoping that Harry will be willing to jump right into the daring feats as early as today. You drop your bag on the couch and spin towards Rusty with a smile dragging across your features. It's perfect. Thank you. You glance around the room again as your smile grows even wider at the comprehension that this is all real. For everything. My pleasure, dear. I'm going to go down the hall and check in with one of the technical directors, and then I'll show you to one of the studios for warming up. Can I get you anything else at the moment? You shake your head and he smiles in return. Fantastic. Take ten and I'll be right back. Rusty softly closes the door behind him when he leaves, and the moment it's clicked shut, you release a long, happy sigh and flop onto the couch to take everything in. Your attempt at extending your career has proved successful. Just 48 hours ago, you had been ready to shelve the entire notion, and now you were here. Ready to take on a new life with the gorgeous bird of prey who was circling somewhere closely above, waiting for you to expire so that he can peck the flesh from your bones. You make your way over to the vanity to spread out your candles and makeup across the surface. Your reflection dares you to be brave and loyal to your convictions, no matter how fiercely Harry may approach you today. You pour yourself a glass of water from the full porcelain pitcher, downing most of its contents in three hefty swigs before turning your back to the door and pulling off your shirt. You unclasp your bra and toss it aside, eyeing the placement of the standing screen and wondering why it's there aside from being beautiful to look at. Just as the, just as the thought enters your mind, 
The door to the dressing room swings open with a heavy thunk, your surprised scream echoing off of the walls and drowning the sound of wood meeting wood. You scoop your shirt from the ground and suction it to your chest in an effort to cover your bare breasts. But you know a bit of private skin is still visible as you spin on your heel and stare directly into the face of the two steely, frostbitten eyes and a mouth as red as blood. That's a set of fucking lungs, Jesus. You glance down at your chest and readjust your shirt to cover yourself up more. Your fingers digging into your skin in embarrassment and anger when you realize Harry's probably making an endoando about your tits. What are you doing here? You don't know the first thing about Harry aside from his career, but you know that him being dressed in all black this past week is unlike him. His unstepped leather jacket creaks when he raises his cigarette to his mouth, a skateboard with wheels that match his magically chameleon-colored lips tucked under his other arm. He either doesn't hear your question or simply chooses to ignore it. You're early. Why am I not surprised? Your foot stomps against the carpet, but the muffled sound you get in return is supremely unsatisfying. I said, what are you- Rusty pokes his head into the room above Harry's shoulder, and now you're even more aware of your, ha- your half-naked appearance than before. Is everything okay in here? Have you two officially- Rusty notices your predicament and adverts his eyes to the far wall. Oh dear. You've learned the importance of the standing screen in a matter of 20 seconds or less. Harry's smug chuckle drags irate goosebumps across your skin as you march off and disappear behind the screen to pull your shirt back on. You can hear them muttering to each other and you can feel Harry's stir burning a hole through the fabric stretched across the frame. You close your eyes and wish the, door, uh, and wish the floor would open up and swallow you whole, your hands lifting to fan your face and drain the blood from your cheeks before you step back out into the room to face them. I'm sorry, it seems I forgot to mention that you and Harry share a dressing room. All partnered acts do. Harry and Rusty exchange glances as Rusty clears his throat and steps forward in an effort to break the ever-mounting tension between you. Let's make this official, shall we? Harry, this is your new partner in the second half of the brilliant Flying Marvels. You glance at Harry's hands, busy with bringing his cigarette to his mouth and white-knuckling his board in the other. Neither of you make an effort to shake hands, your fingers twitching at your sides before placing them on your hips to also seem engaged. Harry nods in in a greeting after a cloud of sweet pink is freed from a small part in his lips, his digits weaving through his curls to push him off of his forehead except for one single tress that's determined to litter his skin and brush his eyebrow. You glance at Rusty before bringing your attention back to Harry's persistent stare. Glad to meet you. Harry seems to understand that the two of you will have to put in effort to play nice in front of your boss, because his answer comes unnaturally quickly and as flat as a pancake. Pleasure's all mine. Rusty speaks through the beat of silence with a stilted, perky tone and arrhythmic, awkward timing. Yes, well then. I'll leave you two to get acquainted, and then Harry, can you show our new recruit to studio number two for some stretching? Harry nods and finally pries his eyes from your figure to regard Rusty, your chest relaxing for the first time in a full minute as you take this opportunity to suck in a satisfying breath. As soon as Rusty leaves the room, you are brisk in addressing the second avoided handshake that you've experienced with Harry thus far. You do realize that you're going to have to touch me at some point. Harry drops his cigarette butt into a nearly empty glass of water, the singe of fire extinguishing tickling your eardrums as he scrapes by you. I'm aware. He slips into the bathroom and locks the door shut behind him, plopping down onto the closed toilet seat and rubbing the pads of his finger against his aching temples. The heart-shaped filter swims in a slow circle inside of your water glass, 
a thin slip of smoke disappearing into the air as it takes its final gasp of breath. You gather your bodysuit and leggings from your bag and decide to find a place to change elsewhere, passing when you realize that you haven't heard a sound from the bathroom since he barricaded himself inside. You pat across the carpet and rap quietly to the door to give him the courtesy of knowing that you're providing him some space. So, I'll just... He clears his throat before interrupting you softly. Yeah. It turns out that you don't need Harry's help to find studio number two. And after watching the red second hand on the clock slowly scroll through 20 minutes of nerve-wracking waiting, it's clear he never plans to show up. You tap the soles of your feet together and butterfly your legs apart, stretching your arms in front of you and gliding your palms across the floor as you lean forward as far as, as, far as you can. Harry's lack of trust in your ability and an absent interest in partnership is troubling. The most important aspect of working together in a pair is going to be your achievement in creating a foundation of confidence and dependence. If he continues to keep you at a literal and figurative arm's length, it could be the very thing stopping you from, reach your ex from reaching excellence or worse, the very thing causing you to fall several feet from the air. But you push the second thought away with a huff, not wanting to imagine the brutality of an injury before you've even begun. You bow your head and allow the tip of your nose to tap your toes. Your meditative breathing and concentration interrupted by the plinking of toenails on the hardwood floor, followed by a wet, wide tongue lapping against your hair. You flick your gaze up and are met face to face with a heavy panting and joyful expression of a big white and black dog. A dark patch of fur adorning one of his eyes before his tongue extends out to leave a trail of slobber across your entire face. You groan and squeal, a shortle breaking free as you blindly search the ground for your discarded t-shirt to wipe the slime from your skin. The dog flops over onto his back with his paws kicked up and dangling relaxed in the air, his eyes searching yours as he silently begs for a belly rub. A soft grin pulls across your features when you spoil him with exactly what he wants. Hey pup, who are you? You scratch his belly and search his neck for a collar with a name tag, finding only a blue paisley bandana and apparently a sweet spot that sends his leg into a frenzy. He's so bulky that you could imagine him pulling you down and dragging you across the ground if you were attempting to walk him and he spotted a squirrel and took off. On your thorough tour earlier this morning, you remember Rusty mentioning that he had adopted a bunch of dogs from the local shelter saving them from euthanasia and simultaneously integrating them into a life pampered by dozens of people who love them and feed them scraps from the hot dog and popcorn stands. A sweet gesture and one paradoxical from other modern circuses organizations, yet another aspect of this company that you find endearing and aligning with your own personal values. Upon hearing a certain voice from the hallway, the dog flips back over onto all fours and runs away without another glimpse in your direction. Knowing that he's likely to receive a decent amount of warm affection if he follows the sound of recognizable drum fire. You scramble to your feet and chase behind him, screeching to a halt when you find Harry having a friendly conversation with someone that you haven't yet been introduced to. This is the first time that you're seeing Harry dressed in something other than a wetsuit or funeral garb. Form-fitting and high-waisted gray sweatpants that cinch just above the ankle. A white wife beater tucked into the waistband with a thin leather belt looped and, and tucked tightly around his middle, polished off with a pair of attractive and large bare feet. The same tattoos and muscles that you get a glimpse of on the beach undulate when he squats down to greet the dog, without breaking the stride of his conversation with the mysterious person. The dog licks and licks, rearing back onto his haunches to balance his paws against Harry's shoulder as his fingernails scratch a path 
up and down the dog's furry belly. It's clear that they have a relationship, one in which a great deal of admiration and faith has been developed, and you swallow your budding jealousy over a slobbery creature as you make your way over to their explosive huddle. No worries, stud. Just go in there and do what you do best. Three set of eyes land on you before the person who is speaking abruptly shuts his mouth with your arrival. Him and Harry burning their sights on one another before Harry returns his attention to the dog, and you're left awkwardly hovering and expecting an introduction. Introduction. Hi. You reach your hand towards him for a greeting. Um, that's Tex. Both of you and Tex glance at Harry, who, aside from a two-word assistance, insists on keeping himself occupied elsewhere as you follow through with your formal handshake. Tex seems gentle and kind. His eyes so dark that it's hard to tell where the color of his irises stops and his pupil begins. I take it you're Harry's new partner. You nod and his smile perks before dissolving. I ride the unicycle and breathe fire, kind of like Harry. His gentle dig and attempt to comfort you through Harry's obvious difficult exterior curses its way through your muscles and eases in relaxing them for the time being. Harry's mouth pulls into a tight-lipped smirk and a puff of soft laughter bursts through his nose in recognition of Tex's quip. His head bowed down as he stays fully engrossed and scratching and rubbing his fingers through coarse fur. Tex goes on to explain his part and technique in the circus as you try your hardest to focus, but you're distracted by movement in the corner of your eye. Harry rises to standing and wraps a single arm around the large dog's torso, his paws flopping through the air to gain a sense of traction and his tongue attempting to make contact with any bit of Harry's skin that he can. He hoists the animal from the ground and you hear and you swear you can see the dog smile when Harry kisses his head, rubbing his knuckles behind his ear and whispering quiet loving anecdotes into his fur. Texas voice re-enters your cognition like the appearance of a butterfly flitting through your field of vision. So yeah, Harry and I go way back. I worked with him in the other circus company a couple of years ago. The dog is deposited back onto the ground before Harry's elbows digs into Texas ribcage as an indication for him to stop talking. Fucking alright, Flake. Thanks for the rundown. Catch you later. Harry flicks his chin up at you and spins on his heel before padding off down the hallway, his wordless action a signal for you to follow. You wave goodbye to Tex before running off behind Harry and he makes no effort to slow down or and match your pace, your feet reminding you of a set of tiny wheels and a toy car stuck in mud or an ambling toddler that's playing a game of chase with their mother. What's his name? I already told you. Tex. You shake your head at the obvious misunderstanding and attempt to keep up as you meander through the winding hallways. I mean the dog. Bo. You catch a glimpse inside of the studio to find a group of ballet dancers stretching at the bar, their reflections mirroring back at you and drawing a deep sense of longing for the life you once led. Did you name him? Yeah. Harry turns a corner and enters a room filled with gymnastics equipment, mats and uneven bars, a foam pit and trampolines, Rings and springboards, a balanced beam, and a wall of mirrors. Can we start on trapeze today? Absolutely not. For the next couple of hours, Harry puts you through a series of skill tests. He hasn't explained himself, but you gather that in order to safely move forward, he needs to gouge the level of your strength and extent of your current ability. He knows from watching your audition that you're a secure, graceful, and skilled dancer. But he also wants to be certain of your weaknesses to pinpoint exactly what needs to be focused on for improvement's sake. He doesn't offer any words of encouragement, which makes it impossible for you to know where you stand and what he perceives. Instead, he hovers at a short distance, 
watching with his arms clo- crossed over his chest as he bites the skin around his fingernails, only taking a break from chewing on his digits when he barks commands at you such as, again, higher, or tighter. Harry starts you off with a simple tumbling on mats with springboards, stepping in every so often to land an arm behind your back to guide the arch in your spine, or pinching your shoulders as a reminder to keep them dropped. You switch gears and follow him across the room to practice on the low bar, him urging you over and over again to make sure your grip is strong and your legs are leaving the ground at the same time before you rotate yourself or the bar in a simple pullover. He grumbles to himself about having to practice leg lifts and push-ups in order for you to build the strength for more solid and complicated tricks, even becoming frustrated enough to step in at one point to physically show you how it's meant to be done. Seeing him in action is a lot like ducking in the bushes and witnessing a wild animal do a simple yet compulsory task, such as catching prey or bathing its youth, as if it were something you were solely put on this planet to achieve but no signs of hesitation present when he chalks his hands and claps them together to remove excess dust. You try to pick your jaw up from the ground when he brushes by you and takes three three quick paces followed by a leap straight to the high bar. His long physique and sinewy muscles seamlessly swinging back and forth before he kips himself up into the bar in a flawless pullover. He rests his hips against the wood for a moment of pause before spiraling forward in a few flips that are executed so quickly that the only impression left in your mind is a blur of trails and skin. He drops to the ground in a smooth dismount, quirking an eyebrow at you as if daring you to prove yourself before delivering another short, pruned order. Trampoline. Your arms were beginning to feel a bit like jello, so you're grateful for the break, although he doesn't go any easier, easier on you on the trampoline. He spots you on back in front tucks, stepping forward to offer an arm across your back to guide the tumble in a bigger arc before jumping away. You don't fail to notice how his hands spring apart from your body as soon as the trick is completed, as though your skin were on fire and his palms were melting from his bones from your agitated blaze. The truncated conversation and blatant distance that you've shared throughout the course of the day is beginning to drive your perfectionist nature insane with analytical bewilderment. You always find yourself as the one to blame in these sort of situations, maddeningly playing and replaying the same events over in your head as you try to pinpoint exactly where you've gone wrong and what you could have done differently to avoid it. The meeting on the beach continues to rear its ugly head, your arms crossed over your bathing suit in annoyance and your feet kicking sand over his jar of surf wax. If only you had known who he was at the time, would you have approached the situation differently? But in the same vein, should you have to change your natural instincts to cater to someone in order to achieve what you want? Can you put your foot down and stand up for yourself while also manifesting your dream career? Harry offers you next to nothing whenever you ask a question, whether it be personal or pertinent. It's almost as if he can sense your deep desire to be accepted and polished, and he's choosing to act in complete opposition. A real-life devil's advocate, taking cover behind a face and body carved from golden marble. You still have no idea what he thinks of your capabilities, and it's starting to force you to question them yourself. Is your position as his partner set in stone, or will he continue to push you so hard that you're forced to retreat from this building entirely? He may be the big, bad wolf, but you may be weathering out the storm. But your house is made of bricks, not straw or sticks. He's going to have to retreat at some point. Harry mumbles something about taking a ten-minute break before he steps away, away to light a cigarette. A fog of pink trailing off behind him as he hurries across the floor towards Tex and a group of h- people huddled by the exit door. 
The clear difference between how many words he offers text versus how many words he offers you irks you beyond belief, because it's apparent that he's going out of his way to retreat you with a disdain. At the same time, it urges you to try harder to develop a relationship with him, to shatter his glass walls, to, stre to strengthen your grip on one another so that he would never allow you to tumble from the sky. In addition to being a rooted work partner, you're determined to make him like you. You placate the situation you've been both placed in to make your days and your lives not only tolerable, but enjoyable, possibly even fun. He can obviously speak and relate to people and maintain friendships, made evident by the recognition he receives from every single person who passes him and greets him with a pat on the shoulder on the way he returns their gestures with smile and genuine regard. You hate feeling singled out, and you hate that he seems to be a pillar in this community, because if he doesn't like you, then his attitude will begin to trickle down to everyone around him and poison your ability to make your own impression on the company. The beach interaction crackles to life and begins to send your mind as you watch him jest with and shove his good friends good-naturedly. His widespread smile etching a dimple into his cheek that makes you both tender and affronted uh, all at once. Before you know it, you're leaving the empty solitude of the trampoline and stumping towards him, squeaking a tight, unconvincing smile through a huff of anger at all of his friends before tapping him on the shoulder. He glances at you and somehow manages to stop his eyes mid-roll, casting an annoyed grimace to text before spinning around to face you. It hasn't been ten minutes. You're nodding through his excuse because you were already prepared for it. Yeah, I know. Can we talk? He excels his smoke directly into your face, and normally that type of disrespect would make you so angry that each hair on your body would curl. But this is different. He's different. His cigarettes smell and taste like authentic, hot-spun cotton candy after it has turned to liquid and been sucked from your fingertips. His mouth has a sparkly sheen on the, on the bottom left corner that makes you wonder how smooth his lips are the tip of his tongue making an appearance as he waits for you to ask your burning question. You're so caught up in the curve and perception of his mouth that you're starting to wonder if his cigarettes are filled with mind-numbing, hypnotic toxins and subliminal messages, but you shake your head and allow the sounds in the room to return to you, alone. Your heart thumbs out your chest with each footstep that leads the two of you into the hallway for privacy. Arguments make you feel sick. But you've never been one to shy away from confrontation because the alternative is equally as nauseating. You're not sure how Harry handles disagreements, but you're not registering any signs of discomfort from him. In fact, his face is perfectly relaxed and natural aside from a single curious wrinkle between his eyebrows. A deep exhale empties your lungs and increases your dizziness. Why don't you like me? You hate how childish that sounds, but there is really no other simple way of phrasing it. You fill in the uncomfortable beat of silence with an anecdote that's been irritating you since your failed interview. Is it because of what happened on the beach? Harry's eyebrows pull together to further exaggerate the existing line slicing his skin there. The beach? What happened on the beach? He doesn't recognize you from the beach because to him, women are all the same. Soft skin and hair, bouncy tits, a wet pussy, a warm body, nothing else. You're violently thrown off guard by his genuine confusion and the stinging awareness that he doesn't even recall your face after your first interaction. An interaction that was noteworthy and humiliating in your eyes. An interaction that isn't even worth remembering to him. The fact that he can be involved in something like that without feeling anything is cruel. As if you were both experiencing two completely different events. For you, a strange flirtation that stuck with you well past dinner and rekindled just before breakfast. For him... 
nothing. The beach ball, the sex wax. You jump when he explodes into a loud thunderous laughter at your expense. Holy fuck, that was you? He's thrilled to easily shift the blame of your rocky, intense practice session away from himself. Wow, I didn't recognize you without the thick veneer of an unnecessary feistiness. Harry, re Harry recalls your dem demure yellow one-piece bathing suit. Maybe if you showed me more skin, it would give me something to remember. Harry never apologizes because it's rare for him to feel sorry in the first place. In fact, he's relieved that you're taking responsibility for the crappy attitude he's been flexing all day so he doesn't have to. The word proud comes to mind, but Harry doesn't see it as a negative aspect of his personality. He figures he will recognize his culpability and known to apologize when the situation truly calls for it. For a moment, his words force you to reconsider your worth and distinction as a human being. Your pride swallowed thickly down your tight throat as you attempt to keep yourself from spiraling on the very first day of a hopefully prolific career in the circus. It's a gross feeling to be reduced to how literal or how or how much skin you choose to expose, and you want to be able to stand up for yourself, but your mind refuses to delineate an appropriately brave response. The notion of you and all women being merely an object of pleasure to him gurgles your stomach in dumbfounded queasiness. You start to reconsider if this dream of if this is your dream job at all, with a co-worker who is hell-bent on never allowing you to become his colleague or worse yet, driving you from this position entirely. You mull and flip through several retorts, all varying from extreme emotion to, to pure apathy, deciding to fall somewhere in between when you narrow your eyes and spit. Dipstick. Dork. Lighten up. Meet you back in the trampoline in five. Now that the interaction on the beach has been officially squashed, you find yourself still tied up at first base with the perplexity of why he's treating you so coldly. A, a hot fire has been lit under your ass, and the rest of practice proved so. Your jumps higher and your tucks tighter, your feet quicker and your grip stronger. Perhaps that was his intention with his immature, sibling-like response to your questioning, but it did nothing to answer your burning inquiry. Harry was pleased that you kept your mouth shut for the rest of the day, aside from a few snide remarks tossed back and forth. He would much rather wa work with an animosity than awkwardness. Ease just doesn't seem like an option right now. Harry walked off the floor and disappeared as soon as you landed your final flip. You had decided to change somewhere other than your shared dressing room, not having the courage to face him again after your shameful and erroneous dispute. There was nothing that you could do for now, aside from hoping that tomorrow would be different, but something deep down warned you that this was your reality now, and it won't be making much sense anytime soon. On your way out of the studio for the day, you're forced to walk through a tunnel of cigarette smoke as you hold your breath and wave the harsh air from your face. The scent of warm sugar catches your attention and you decide to put in one final drop of effort to relax the charred nerves between the two of you. Harry, sta Harry stands just a few feet away, surrounded by his typical cloud of scrappy energy and rose petals, a cluster of people warming their way closer to him for a minute of his consideration. A loud and repugnant wolf whistle splits your eardrum with a dull ring, followed by Harry shouting a wicked cat call to a group of women passing through his periphery. Shake it, don't break it. One of them takes the bait without hesitation the moment she locks eyes on him. Hey, daddy-o. All of his friends laugh at his expertise and efficiency, grunts of arousal echoing through a couple of them as Harry blatantly stares at her legs and ass when she spins around and continues her journey onward. 
He starts to run after her, but you grab his arm and stop in his, stop him in his tracks with clear disdain and annoyance gripping through your muscles. What about your girlfriend? A collective chuckle rolls through the onlookers behind you as Harry's face twists in perplexity. Who? The girl on the beach, green bathing suit, olive skin, brown hair. I saw you kissing her. Harry laughs cynically at your naivety. She's not my girlfriend, nerd. None of them are and never will be. They're burners. The last sentence of his speech is spoken with a hint of sarcastic disdain. Mom absolutely loves it. His sentimental trails off when he peers over your shoulder and sees his perspective lay vanishing with each footstep. He doesn't mind too much. He could find another one in 10 minutes or less if he remained in this spot near the boardwalk and continued to cruise for chicks. You despise how it's beginning to feel like you're an outsider to this whole company. The West Coast is a lot different than the small town you were raised in with 2,000 miles away. Or perhaps it's just Harry and his gaggle of friends that are making you feel this unwelcome. Burners? Another round of laughter trills from the group standing at Harry's back. Sex. One night stands. He turns to them for a burst of encouragement before facing you again. You're such a fucking square. A Clyde. Probably a virgin. All of his friends snicker and you can feel red, hot, angry embarrassment crawling up your neck to heat your cheeks. It's obvious that Harry notices because he uses the evidence as the answer he's looking for. Oh my god, you are, aren't you? That explains everything. Tighter than a parking space. Listen up, Clyde. Life is meant to be enjoyed. That's not my name. Kay, Clyde. A groan strangles your throat as you sigh forcefully and spin away from him. His crude dismissal drowned by the rumble of, a, of your roller skates on the boardwalk. Later. Woo, that took me a long time and a food break. But, 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 but. We are here now and we are done. That was a really interesting chapter. I really, really did love this chapter a lot. It's one of my favorites. He's just so... He's an asshole. He really is. And I hate him for that. What a bitch. But... Isn't he lovely? Um, My spirit animal is a girl walking down and saying, Hey, daddy-o. That's me. That would be me in that situation if Harry Styles was there. But his cat calling is kind of gross, not gonna lie. Let me know what you think of Harry now, how he's acting. Ooh, I need to do a summary. I'll do that right now. Okay, summary time. So, I think this chapter was pretty easy to understand. Not many big words. Only around the part where, like, around the part. I, no think, honestly, my brain is, like, fried right now. But, um... Harry's just acting indifferent through the whole thing. She's kind of, like, really excited. She's like, I got the job. Um, this is going to be great. Like, obviously, Harry's still being, like, you know. I'm just nervous about, like, working with him. And then she goes up to the dressing room. And she thinks it's for herself. But then she kind of, like, strips. And then he walks in and she's like, ooh. You just saw my tits. But, um... He's just very, you can tell how snarky he is from this chapter. You're beginning to, like, see how, um, he's a bitch. He really is a bitch. I'm going to keep it real with you. He's a bitch. Um, I would be as mad as her, too, to be honest. I would be mad. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but, um, the name of their act is The Flying Marvels, which I think is the cutest thing ever, like, honestly. 
it is the cutest slogan ever. Hi, baby. Um, she wants to uh, start doing the trapeze acts right away, but then he it kind of like shows that he just kind of like wants to get into physical activity te- uh, first to test how her strength and all that stuff to make sure that she's prepared for the big acts. But she's kind of like confident in herself, but then she's like, maybe I should just listen to him, not really make this a bigger of a deal than he than it is because he's already like being cold towards me, whatever. Um, in this chapter, Tex is introduced, which, as you can see, um, is one of Harry's friends. Um, what else? We also got introduced to Bo, the little puppy. I love Bo. Um, what else happened in this chapter? Um, I don't know. It was a lot of a lot of technicalities. He. He just really wants to put her through the work. He really wants to make her work for it. She's also like, why don't you like me? Whatever. And he's like, he doesn't remember the beach. He doesn't remember it. Because to her, to him, just a wet pussy. <laughs> I don't know what that made me so uncomfortable to read the first time. I was like reading it and like, I didn't, I didn't remember that that was said. So when I read it, I was like, oh. I'm going to be reading really wild shit afterwards, so um, this is nothing. This is nothing for now. But, um, yeah, pretty much that's it. Um, I hope you enjoyed, and I will probably record the first chapter, I mean the, th- the fifth chapter because I'm obsessed. Bye!